Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. Who <laughs> messy this is professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a bonus episode of Booking the Territory, the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. But today, I'm talking to Ricky Cobb, the man behind at Super70Sport on Twitter, an account that I've been following for some time, and I thoroughly enjoy it because I'll get into it later on. But Ricky, let me welcome you into Booking the Territory for the first time. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for your time. How are you today? Mike, I am. I'm wiping my boots on the uh, on the on the apron uh, before I step through the ropes into this hallowed territory, man. I'm I'm thrilled to uh, to be on the podcast, and I've been looking forward to this. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. I have a question because I know you've done. I, I think you even at one point had your own podcast. I think you've also done numerous others. Have you Have you done any wrestling ones? You know, I haven't, and it is, uh, it's a shame that that hasn't happened because probably pro wrestling, you know, if we're, if we're going to put it alongside, you know, baseball and football and basketball and all of the pro sports, uh, wrestling is really my, is really my greatest love. So, uh, yeah, the, you're scratching an itch for me today getting to do this. I, uh, I might have to start uh, getting some wrestlers to uh, uh, come on and, and and let me interview them because uh, you know it's been such a huge part of my life. I I find that so crazy because again I've been following your your Twitter for some time and you know I've watched it grow. I've I've seen all the great tweets. I've seen all the great sports tweets. I, I'm going to talk about a few of them you know later on in the show, but I've noticed quite a few. Not a ton, but, you know, I've seen the ones with uh, the, the my my favorite is actually Dusty Rhodes and Magnum with the with the fur coats. And and uh, you, you captioned that one greatly with something like, please don't tell me pro wrestling has improved since this. You can shut your filthy whore mouth or something like that. Um, you've had some great tweets, wrestling tweets, though. So it is amazing to me that uh, of all, you know, I've seen these wrestling tweets. I'm like, this guy's got to be he's got to like pro wrestling. And that's when I reached out to you. I said, I'm going to email him. And I haven't said anything to anyone other than my co-host, Doc, uh, and Hopper. I haven't said anything. I said, I got to reach out to him. And I saw your email. I said, let me email him. And, hey, what do I know? And you were telling me right before you started or we or I hit the red light and started recording that you actually uh, grew up on Memphis wrestling. So tell me about that. I'm, I'm definitely all ears now. Well, you know, I grew up on Memphis wrestling, which means my standards are a little higher. You know, I, uh, you know, that was, that was my thing. Lance Russell and Dave Brown, right along ringside, watching that on channel three out of Louisville, 
we called it channel three wrestling. Uh, my friends and I, you know, and Jerry, Jerry, the King Lawler, Jimmy Hart, and you know, all the, all the mains, you know, Bob, Bobby, Eaton, Austin Idol, uh, handsome Jimmy. And, you know, all, all those guys that made that territory so special, you know, and, and certainly then in the, uh, you know, then in the uh, afternoons on the weekend, you, you had to tune in Gordon Soley and Georgia Championship Wrestling, you know. So Saturdays were, were, were a big deal when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, a big part of that was Jerry Lawler at about noon and then uh, the, the Nature Boy at, at about 6.05 or, or whenever that one started, you know. That was, uh, that was the big day of the week. That's amazing that you... Again, I'm, I'm, I, I should have known, you know, when I first started seeing your tweets, because obviously I saw the sports ones first, you know, that I was like, this guy's probably a pro wrestling fan. And I've joked with friends of mine, you know, folks that are our age and you and I are, are within about four years in age. And, and, and my co-host doc same and Harper the same, we're all like around the same age and we all have these things with sports back in the day. And then we all have this thing with wrestling now. Many of us grew up on different territories, like you grew up on Memphis. I grew up on Mid-South uh, in Louisiana. My co-host, Doc, he grew up on World Class because he grew up in uh, Dallas, Texas. But it's just, uh, it's funny how we all had this love for all these sports, but we also all had this love for wrestling, and we'd watch it on the weekends. And it's just amazing how it's so much different now. Kids aren't the same now to me, but I just, I, I'm just amazed, you know, I was like, Wow, this guy really has a love for wrestling. And as I say that, you know, you talk about Memphis. You and I were exchanging emails before we started, and you told me a, a cornet story. Uh, do you mind sharing that on air, or I can share the one that I was going to tell you that I didn't email you? Well, I, I'll t- I'll tell you mine first, and then I, I'm I'm dying to hear yours. I mean, uh, yeah, J- Jim Cornette's my he's my favorite. You know, I, I I'm a Jim Cornette guy, and I. Uh, you know, I'm addicted to to his podcast, and uh, I, I met uh, Jim in Horse Cave, Kentucky, which is where I'm from, and it would have had to have been, I guess, 1983. Um, I was probably 11 years old or something like that, and I I asked uh, Corny for an autograph, and he signed it for me. And you know, looking back on it now, I mean, Corny wasn't that much older than me. You know, uh, he, I know, I think it was probably his first year, you know, of being, a being an on-air talent. And, uh, I had that autograph, uh, you know, for many, many years. And, you know, as these things go, uh, you know, it got lost somewhere along the way. And years later, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to talk to him at a ring of honor show and I told him that story and, uh, you know, he, he, he signed a, he signed an eight by 10 for me and, you know, my money was no good to him. You know, he, he wouldn't let me pay him for it. And, you know, just a, just a hell of a nice guy, you know, I mean, I think that's the thing, you know, he's a, you know, he's a controversial uh, guy, you know, with a lot of people and, and, you know, there's a lot of folks that, uh, you know, think uh, negative things about Jim Cornette, but uh, you know, what I know and, and what I think, you know, even better than I, from uh, your relationship with him is that, you know, he's, he's truly one of the great guys uh, in wrestling just as a person. Yeah. I, I think, you know, cause Corny's so controversial and I totally agree with you. Uh, he's so controversial and I I've got friends that, that 
don't don't like him. They they hate his takes on many many things. That's all I'll say. Um, and, and since this is a wrestling podcast, I'll stick to wrestling when I say that. Uh, they they can't stand some of his modern wrestling takes. And you know, I I just say this. Um, and this will go along with the story I tell you. So, the first time I actually met Jim Cornette in in the Dallas area uh, back in I think it was WrestleMania weekend 2016, uh, he was. He was making an appearance at an independent show that had kicked off the weekend, and I think it was on a Thursday night. So Cornette's like the attraction there, right, Ricky? He's the, yeah, I mean, there's other names there, but he's the main guy. And he's at his table. He's got his two lockers of stuff. He's setting up, because I'm in there before, like all the fans are there and stuff, and I, I was introduced to him right there. Uh, we talked for a little while, and he said, hey, uh, yeah, I'll come on your show. You know, he was, he was committed to doing it at that time. Well, um, I watch him pull out all this stuff out of these uh, old uh, lockers. I, I call them, they're like suitcase lockers. You know what I'm talking about? The the black ones and they got the buckle and you can lock them. Yeah, and, yeah those oh, yeah. old school ones from our from back in the day. We, you probably had one <laughs> in your room. I know I did. <laughs> That's right. Old school. That's right. Yeah. So he, he gets everything set out. And, I mean, he's got so much stuff. He's got three, four tables around him and a U. And then the fans were let in and I'm looking at the line to his table and I'm going, there's no way he's going to talk to all these people before the show starts. There's no way. And I watched Cornette take time with every single fan, whether they spent money or not, talk to him as long as they wanted to talk to him. And he had a long line um, signing things. There were people who just, hey, I bought this item. Can you sign it for me? He wouldn't even charge them. He would just sign, you know, if they brought a bat or a picture that they had. Um, now, if they wanted, if they wanted one of his pictures and sign it, yeah, he would charge him because it was his picture he was given to him. But other than that, if it was something that they brought, no, he was cutting pro, he was cutting free. I mean, now they're cameos basically, but back then it wasn't cameo. He was cutting videos for fans that had their cell phones on Russo. It was it was comical to watch him just work. But I watched him. He would not uh, even when the show started. He's he stood there and he's like. These people have waited for me. I'm going to make sure I sign everything. I'm going to make sure I greet them all. And I'm not just going to walk away and say, oh, I'm sorry you missed me. Because it wasn't his fault that, you know, the line was that long. So that's that's the story I was going to tell you, kind of related to, you know, the, the story you had about, hey, he didn't even charge you. He just signed it. And that was that. But I, I just saw a different side of him as a, um, you know, as a personality, as someone who is ultimately a huge fan. I mean, that's the thing about him. And then my personal interactions with him. He's invited me on his show four different times. He's always treated me well. He's super duper nice. He's got these controversial opinions, uh, and some people don't like the way he goes about uh, vocalizing them. But I, I feel as a human being, he's a good person, and and that's why you know. And I've gotten to know him, so that's the part of it where I'm like, look, you know, sometimes when you don't know someone, you really don't know them, so you're only judging them by what you kind of hear and see. For me, though always been great to me and again i watched him with those fans that day and took all the time in the world and i was like oh he's stand-up guy man because i've seen plenty of guys in the wrestling business that are like that <laughs> too bad for you sorry that the line was long i gotta i gotta leave now and that didn't happen yeah so it was cool well yeah no i and I, you know i'm not surprised at all to to, to hear that I, i'm really not I, you know and, and i think you said it um he's a fan and his passion for this he loves 
you know, find somebody, you know how they'll, they'll say with relationships, you know, find somebody who looks at you like, <laughs> you know, this person looks at that thing. I, I think, you know, find somebody, find somebody who loves you as much as Jim Cornette loves professional wrestling. You know, I mean, it's in his blood and, yeah, uh, you know, and he's a good Kentucky boy, you know, uh, like myself. So, you know, maybe, maybe that, maybe that's part of it. I, I think, uh, you know, Mama Cornette raised him right. <laughs> yeah he's 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 that's the one thing about him I, what i like is he took such detailed notes and that's the one thing about his show when he's talking about you know classic wrestling he's got these details so he can he can quote things i mean it's not just oh uh, yeah i think this is what happened like he took meticulous notes and so he's got all these notes he can reference back to and i thought that was really cool uh or, or think i think that's one of the main things that i i enjoy about uh when he talks about classic wrestling and whatnot hey so I going back to your your Twitter. I've read that you started it back in December 2013, um, but that you really dedicated yourself to it sometime around 2015, and then that's where it uh, started to to really take off. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Just uh, just you know, as as we talk about the account and your love for wrestling and sports as well. Sure. You know, I, I created the account. I'm, I'm a college professor by day and I created the accounts. Uh, I think I was on the, you know, the, the, the holiday break um, of that, uh, you know, December that December 2013 that you were referring to. And I, I was a fan of a book uh, written by a guy named Dan Epstein about baseball called Big Hair and Plastic Grass. And it was about baseball in the 1970s. And Dan is such a gifted writer. And, uh, you know, I love the book. And he had created a Facebook page to promote the book where on a daily basis, he was posting old baseball cards and giving birthday shout outs and things like that to these ballplayers from the from the 70s. And. I found myself really looking forward to it. You know, I, I couldn't, I didn't even know why it was, it was resonating with me so much, but you know, I, I had to check Facebook every day just to see, you know, who is Dan, you know, put up today. Is it, is it, uh, Willie Stargell? Is it Reggie Jackson? Is it, um, you know, uh, some other random player that I maybe hadn't thought of in a long time. And it became something that I, I really uh, looked forward to a lot. And I, I thought, well, you know, what if I could kind of take the vibe that Dan is going for with this Facebook page and just talk about all sports, you know, let's, let's bring the, you know, basketball and football and boxing and bowling and, you know, just wh whatever was worth talking about um, expanded a little bit and kind of celebrate the entire uh, sports landscape of, of that era. I mean, you know, I've always, I've always had an affinity for the seventies, as you might imagine. And, you know, what I came to find as I started to do this on a regular basis, which your, your homework is impeccable because everything you said is right. I, I really began in earnest at the beginning of 2015, you know, doing it on a daily basis and really being committed to it. And, you know, what I found pretty early on is, you know, there's other things that I, I wanted to talk about besides just sports. And so things started to creep in there about pop culture, you know, the, the toys that we played with, the bikes that we rode, the, 
the dangerous playground equipment that we, you know, somehow survived to tell the tale and, you know, <laughs> the hair and the clothes and everybody was smoking and, uh, you know, the, those, those, you know, 7,000 pound tube TVs that <laughs> everybody had in their living room with no remote and the, you know, the, the shag carpet that you could practically, you know, you'd lose things in it. You know, it was, it was like, it was like hitting a golf ball into the rough, you know, just going through your living room. And I realized, you know, boy, that, that stuff is just as fun, if not more fun to talk about than, than the sports itself. And so I started to float a few of those kinds of tweets out there just to see how people would take it. And they really responded. And you know, pretty soon I started realizing that, you know, even though the 70s technically ended on December 31st, you know, 79, a lot of a lot of the aesthetic of the 70s and the attitudes and a lot of the ridiculous things kind of as we look back on it now, that continued into the 80s as well. So I started breaking all my rules, basically, is what happened. I, I started tweeting about non-sports stuff. I didn't confine myself strictly to the 70s anymore and and much to my surprise i started to develop a following you know i i hit a thousand followers two thousand three thousand i was in the taco bell drive-thru the night that i hit three thousand and i remember just being beside myself with excitement that i had three thousand followers you know that was probably the spring of 2015 and you know, then I started to see names that I recognized, uh, you know, commenting on tweets, liking tweets, following me, you know, real celebrities, uh, you know, both from uh, entertainment as well as sports. And I realized that it was kind of creeping out of just my little circle. You know, I thought that there might be a little niche audience of a few thousand people that you know, might share my sensibilities. And, you know, what I came to realize is, is that a lot of the things that I was talking about and tweeting about really spoke to our entire generation. And by the end of 2015, much again, to my surprise, uh, Sports Illustrated named me to their Twitter 100 list. You know, it was just kind of one of those, you know, kind of garbage year end <laughs> online list, you know, it's, you know, you don't get a trophy or anything. Uh, but it was still very surprising for me just to be recognized, you know, like other, I remember, you know, some of the other accounts were like, you know, Kobe Bryant's account and, you know, like real legitimate uh, names. And then, you know, there's Ricky Cobb somehow poking his head into the list. And, it was pretty heady stuff. So, you know, I kind of knew by that point that I had something special going. Didn't didn't know exactly, you know, how to harness it or what to expect. But, you know, here, here we are, you know, uh, some five or six years later. And, you know, I've crossed uh, half a million followers and, uh, you know, just could not possibly be happier about this unexpected midlife adventure of mine. It really is amazing that you've, and I noticed that recently that you were, you were at a half a million and I, I'm it's, it's amazing, man. I will doc and I were talking about your Twitter. Uh, my co-hosts were talking about your Twitter about a week ago and he sent me a text and he said, this account 
is my entire childhood. Uh, you know, basically he he wrapped it up in one. And and what he meant was from the sports to the cultural stuff that you post in there to the wrestling. He's like this. It's and so then he starts. I think I think he's been following it for some time, but he finally started really paying more attention because I kept bringing it up to him. And then he started scrolling your Twitter feed. He's just finding everything. And then he's sending me screenshots. And I'm like, I I've seen that one already. Um, <laughs> so it's it's amazing. And obviously, you know, the wrestling ones are the ones that, that come to our mind, too, along with the sports as well. But, yeah, it, it's 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 really incredible what you've what you've done with it. I want to mention one more thing before I before I go back to, to some more wrestling talk. I have to give you credit because the amount of retweets and likes that your Howard Cosell and OJ Simpson and Bruce Jenner tweet got is simply amazing when you caption it with Howard Cosell saying I've looked into the future and you're not gonna believe what I have to tell you as he stares into the camera with OJ and Bruce Jenner. Um I can imagine it got some crazy responses, but that is phenomenal. And your your wit in your captions, to me, it reminds me of BTT because myself and Hardbody Hopper and, and Doc, we're kind of the same way on our show, not through Twitter. We, we do the same thing and we talk about some of the same stuff, but the captions and the one-line stuff, that's what sets it off. Like, that's what really puts it to it because anyone can tweet the picture, but I think you've got a really good imagination, whether it's wrestling or sports or pop culture during that era of captioning these things to make them uh, come to life because that's what you're doing. It's not a real caption, but it's a lighthearted, funny joke. It captures the time period. It's not politically correct, which I love because that's how BTT is. I don't think you go far. I, I actually, I think you don't go far enough sometimes, but um, <laughs> it's really hilarious. Like the captions you put on these things. Well, that's very kind of you to say thank you. I mean, it's it's a passion, you know. I mean, I, I think I think my entire life I've, you know, taken joy in trying to make people laugh. And I've I've always had a passion for comedy. You know, that's not the direction uh, you know, that I went vocationally, you know, but I'm sure, you know, if, if there is a parallel universe, uh, you know, there, there probably are many of them, you know, there probably are a few where, you know, I graduated from high school and just started trying to do comedy. But in this timeline that we're on, you know, it was something that, um, you know, I, I just didn't follow on a professional level. You know, I was, you know, my, I think my friends thought I was funny, but you know, we've, we all crack each other up, you know, I, I, when we're buddies together and whatever. So I never really looked at it as, um, you know, something that I could take and, and, you know, turn into a thing. But, uh, again, you know, it's funny how things work out. Uh, you know, my, my captions and sort of my comedic sensibilities seem to have really registered with a lot of people. And, you know, again, I, you know, it, I think it was like a one in a million shot, you know, when I started this Twitter account that it would, uh, you know, build to what it's become. And, you know, I can certainly tell you that um, my appreciation for it has only gotten bigger over time because, you know, I just feel so lucky to have the opportunity to make so many people laugh and to have made so many friends and and to have met so many people that, 
um, you know, I'm a fan of and to have, you know, gotten, you know, gotten to know and become friends with, with many of them. Um, you know, it's, it's just sort of like this Willy Wonka, you know, adventure that I'm on. And, you know, I was telling my girlfriend the other day, you know, so, sometimes I feel like I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, oh my, you know, goddamn, that was the weirdest, you know, fucking dream I have ever had. You're not going <laughs> to believe this, you know, because, the whole narrative of how this went down, it, you know, is pretty out there. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. Um, I, I wanted to mention, so when I talk about, let, let's go back to wrestling. Cause I did want to ask you some questions. I know you say Cornette, you know, it's like your all time favorite. Uh, I look at, you know, Corny's a manager, obviously he's, he, he mostly managed. I mean, he's had a couple of matches, but it's, you know, more of a, you know, a joke type thing, but who who was your favorite wrestler if you had one or favorite wrestlers if it's you know if it's more than one uh growing oh. up uh, you know in the whether it's the late 70s early 80s or or even beyond because I'm not sure when you stop watching but I'm sure I'm sure you don't watch whatever they put out there nowadays but uh yeah who were your favorites um yeah you know I mean I have I have you know followed aew pretty closely oh, okay. that yeah aew brought me brought me back in, uh, because, you know, I, I wanted to see how they were going to approach it. And, you know, initially, you know, Co Cody Rhodes was talking about it being more of a sport, you know, and Tony Khan too, for that matter, we're talking about it being more of a, you know, realism, you right. know, sports-based concept with the, you know, putting the records on the screen and whatnot. And I don't think that they really held so true to that, but, but it has been interesting to see, uh, AEW, you know, try to, get a foothold in the industry and, and, you know, position themselves as a, as a major player, uh, you know, given the WWE, some, some type of, uh, you know, so, some type of something to be concerned about. Although <laughs> I don't know how concerned about it Vince is, you know, with all the contracts that he's letting lapse, but, but to get back to your question, you know, I, Corny was my guy, right. And of course, you know, a manager and, and Bobby Heenan, in much the same way. I think maybe I identified with the managers because even at that age, uh, I, I knew that I probably wasn't going to have the, uh, I probably wasn't going to have the physical tools to, uh, <laughs> to, you know, to be a wrestler. So I identified with the managers. I thought, yeah, you know, maybe I could get on TV and, you know, talk some shit. I, I, I might be able to do that. And so I love those guys, but as far as wrestlers, you know, my, my favorite wrestler, um, well, my first favorite wrestler, if, I'm going to answer the question thoroughly was Jerry and the King Lawler. Uh, again, going back to Memphis. So uh, I, I grew up, uh, you know, a Jerry Lawler guy and, you know, that was a big deal. I saw Jerry Lawler wrestle it in Greensburg, Kentucky. I saw him wrestle handsome Jimmy Valiant. And, uh, that was a huge deal to me. Green County high school, you know, Jer Jerry didn't do a lot of those little high school shows, you know, but maybe business was down. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, he, you know, there's Jerry, you, you know, maybe Jarrett said, you know, we, we need you to go to, we need you to go to Greensburg. But, uh, but I saw him there and, and, and then later on my, my favorite wrestler hands down became Ric Flair. But, um, you know, uh, other names, you know, certainly Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, um, you know, if I was putting together, you know, probably my all time, you know, personal Mount Rushmore of guys that I have enjoyed, it would probably go Flair, Rhodes, Piper, Macho Man. 
I mean, you, it's all subjective, but there's definitely nothing wrong with that list for sure. I mean, uh, my co-host, Doc, Ric Flair, has always been his favorite. He's he's a Ric Flair fan through and through. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I'm Flair's not my favorite, but he's he's on my Mount Rushmore. If I had to pick four, he's definitely right up there. He's uh, from the promos to the wrestling. I, I don't know how anybody can watch those mid-'80s TBS shows and not look at him and go, that guy is phenomenal. And I think back to, to that whenever I think of Flair, amongst many things with him. It's not just the promos. You know, it's a, he can, the old saying, he can have a good match with a broomstick. I mean, it's very much true. Uh, but he's just, he's phenomenal. So I, yeah. uh, as, I, I love that a, stuff. Yeah. As an entire package, you know, from the, the charisma, the mic skills, obviously he could go uh, against anybody. I, you know, I know there's the criticism that, you know, some, some of his matches, you know, they got a, they got a little too much, you know, in that Ric Flair pattern, you know, you're going to, you know, we've, we've all seen him get caught on that turnbuckle, yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. you know, sl- slammed, uh, you know, it never worked out for him. He didn't get a lot of submissions with that figure four either, uh, against, against big names, but right. You know, for, for me, you know, as an, as an in-ring worker, you know, I, I'm probably drawn more towards Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart as uh, being a. You know, I think Michaels is probably the the best worker I've ever seen. But and, and Bret Hart, in terms of telling you know the psychology and telling the story and in his matches, you know, maybe having a little more variability um, than than a flair. But uh, you know, when you when you combine the the, the charisma and the the mic skills with it, I. I still consider the nature boy to be the gold standard. He he's, he's phenomenal. And I'm right there with you. I'm, I wasn't the biggest, I think Sean, Sean Michaels is great. Uh, but I, I was a, uh, I'd probably put Bret Hart on my Rushmore. Although every time I list it out, I'm like, wow, you got to eliminate so many people just to get the four. That's where the, the struggle comes in. But um, one of my favorite tweets from you, uh, as we're talking about flair, I want to make sure I mention this one is, is the the flare tweet where it's flare he's got canary yellow pants on he's got the uh the silk shirt with the big collar chain i think he's got a chain around his neck and the caption i took it in my notes it says i believe this is rick flair's yearbook photo from when the seniors voted him most likely to style and profile uh it's it's a tremendous photo of flair i I, the the pants and the, the shirt just set it off so uh yeah, man, I like when you post those flare ones, and you've got one with Flair and Piper too. But I have to agree to go back to what you said from a charisma standpoint, the mic skills in ring. And I agree, you get to a point in Flair's career where it's like, man, he kept doing the same thing in the ring, but I, he was so damn good, it was, it was hard not to like it at that point. You know, you're 20 years in, so obviously you're gonna 30 years in, you're gonna see some repeats. I guess, uh, I guess is what I'm looking for at, at certain points, but. Um, I, I, I think you have a, a solid four, the four you picked. I've got, uh, I've got no gripe, and you, you're definitely a connoisseur of wrestling. So there's that. <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've, logged the, I've logged the hours watching it, certainly. I mean, I'm like every, I'm like every other fan, man. You know, I've, I've got an opinion, and, you know, it's, it's worth whatever you want to make of it. But, uh, you know, you're, you're really right about that. I mean, it's so subjective, and, you know, to narrow it down to four – you know, I mean, I think for any of us that are, you know, serious wrestling fans, uh, you know, there's <laughs> there's probably 50 guys that 
uh, you know, you could make a really good argument for as being worthy of, of being on that Mount Rushmore. So, you know, it's a, it's a very personal kind of question. Yeah, it is. And it's always the thing where you're going to have to eliminate someone that, that easily could be in that Rushmore. So it's, it's very, you know, cause I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you, you know, I definitely got to put flair in there, but then you, you, when you start listing out the great talents of, you know, the eighties, just the eighties, I mean, you could just take one decade, <laughs> you'll, you'll get to a point where it's like, wait, I don't know if I have, you know, I, I, I got to remove this person to put this one here. Um, and then it gets into, don't even do this to yourself. Don't start ranking them like one through five. Cause then if you put somebody oh. at five, that, that should, we used to do top fives on our show years ago where we, you know, top five, mic skills of all time, top five, um, you know, heels of all time. And it, it, get, it got to the point where it's like, I'm getting tweets and emails. How can you say this person is four? They should be two. And I'm, I'm going, yeah, but then if I had to put the person that's two, number four, that you know, somebody else would have said, yeah, that wouldn't work for me either. So it's, um, it's subjective, but I guess that goes back. The, the point of it all is, well, oh, re- wrestling was so great back then. You could, you literally could have more than four people on a Rushmore or, or more than, you know, to do a top five is very hard. Um, and it's all subjective, but Hey, that's what made it. That's what made it so great back in the day. It was really, you know, I, you know, we're, we're, you're always going to be partial probably to the era that you, you grew up in. You know, I think in, I think in some respects, um, you know, I look back on other sports in much the same way. You know, I, 80s baseball and, and 70s baseball and 70s and 80s NFL. You know, it's always – there's always a part of me that is going to think that that's just kind of how it, how it should be. And – I think that's true with wrestling as well, but you know, wrestling has got a whole other dynamic because, you know, of the na- you know, the nature of the business itself, and you know, the you know Vince McMahon certainly you know gobbling up, uh, you know, talent and, and and you know basically, you know, effectively for the most part, you know, put you know putting a pretty, pretty definitive end on the territories, and then the internet and. You know, everybody, everybody, you know, becoming a smart, uh, yeah. you know, ch- ch- change the game as well. You know, so it, it's been interesting and sometimes disappointing to see how the industry has adapted to, you know, being in this social media, you know, information overload where, you know, some of the mystery uh, of the business, you know, a lot of the mystery of the business, as you know, has has been lost and you know, it's really just due to, to, to circumstances. Yeah. If, uh, I can't remember where I first heard this, but if cable television wasn't going to destroy the territories as we knew them, like with you, you had Memphis, I had mid South, uh, with cowboy Bill Watts, doc had world-class. If cable television wasn't going to destroy the territories with Vince gobbling up all the talent and basically, you know, you know, people eventually went out of business. Um, it would have never survived the internet age and definitely the age of social media, the territories that is, I mean, wrestling survives now, but it survives in a completely different way than it did during the, the time we're talking about, you know, early eighties, late seventies, um, even mid eighties where you started to, you know, the territory started to just die off. Uh, they hadn't died off obviously, but started to. Um, so you, you definitely, it, times were different and, and you know, in a different way, 
it happens to all sports or and because I considered wrestling a sport, I still kind of do. I mean, those guys, many of them are, are great athletes, but it kind of every sport uh, changes and evolves. I mean, just look at I'm a huge football fan. Uh, some of your some of your tweets I, I crack up at because, you know, you see quarterbacks in the 80s just getting destroyed. Like, I mean, plowed through like with a bulldozer and it's not even a foul. Um, nowadays they, you know, cast somebody and shoot them into the sun for doing some of the things that <laughs> the, these, these attempted yeah. murders were almost on the football field back in the day. So, and I, I mentioned it like that to say, you know, obviously football is different, uh, because it's not the entertainment that pro wrestling is, but everything evolves and, you know, football learned more about concussions and I don't know, sometimes they take it too far with things and penalties i mean uh, that that call on brady this past weekend where the guy literally was trying to not hit him and throw him to the ground and they still call the foul uh, or a penalty that's it's so far from what you or i grew up with and, and i i say that because wrestling is kind of similar in that it's not the same but it's not the same because you know you couldn't have it the same you know uh, everybody became an expert uh you know everybody's got a podcast i say that as a wrestling podcaster um so it changed. Cable television changed it. The internet changed it. Social media definitely changed it. Um, but it still survived through and through. I'm not the biggest fan of the current product, although I pick and choose some of the things I watch. Like I've been keeping up with this FTR and Briscoe's thing because I'm a big Briscoe's fan. But uh, everything, everything definitely changes uh, when it comes to. And we're going to be part. You said it. You said it, Ricky. We're going to be partial to the things that we grew up watching because no matter what. It could be the greatest thing known to man now. We're going to have that nostalgia feeling for that stuff we saw in the early 80s. And, that's, and it, that's nothing can take that away. Nothing can take that away. And, I, and you know, again, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to echo Cornette a little bit here and say that, you know, I, I just think there's, you know, if I, if I had, you know, one complaint that I would lodge towards modern professional wrestling and, you know, this isn't, this isn't really geared toward any particular promotion because I think it's, I think it's an issue in just about all of them is just, you know, too much obvious cooperation in the ring. You know, I, I, I'm an old school guy. So, you know, some of, some of these spots where guys are, you know, ob obviously having to cooperate to a degree <laughs> that just boggles the mind in order to, you know, pull, you know, pull off some, you know, uh, aerial uh move you know d tends to not set well with me you know the 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 old cornet uh you know line about you know you you want it to look like you're hurting each other without hurting each other and it's it's kind of flipped you know uh you have more obvious cooperation and guys are attempting you know high risk moves that are not going to be beneficial to them having a long career in some cases yeah you said it a lot with that they they it's some things are just way too choreographed. I mean, it, it I, I hate sounding like Cornette with this too, but it's like a dance routine sometimes. It really is. And, and, and I will say this, I've been, I've been holding on to, to this thought for a long time. I, my absolute, and, and he's probably a delightful man. Okay. I'm only commenting on the gimmick because uh, he's probably a wonderful person, but but Orange Cassidy, absolutely, I die on the inside every time I watch an Orange Cassidy match. 
I've, I've never really talked about this on the show, but me too. I just can't, I can't, I cannot get into it. It's like, look, he might be a great fighter. Like he might legitimately be able to shoot and kick people's ass for real, but it's there's just there's stupid. Z- there's, z- there's zero chance of that. Let's be okay. honest. <laughs> but I'm with you. The gimmick is just like, it's so dumb. It's to me. And again, I say this, you know, I just say this as a fan, somebody who's never worked in the wrestling industry. And, you know, I, I will, I will leave the true expert opinions to the people who, you know, who have done it. But to me, if your gimmick necessitates making highly trained professionals look like assholes to, to, to make you look good, get a better gimmick. You know, I, I just, I, I hate to see it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, I can understand on the independent circuit where, you know, you want to come in, make an impression, sell some merchandise, but, you know, on a weekly basis, you know, uh, hands in the pockets running around, you know, if, if, if any semblance of reality in wrestling, you know, that, that guy would have gotten uh, his ass handed to him about a thousand times over. So, you know, the fact that Tony Khan continues to, uh, you know, uh, push him to the, the degree that he does, you know, is, uh, that that's my, uh, you know, 2022 wrestling pet peeve. If I, if I had to pick one. Yeah. If you'd asked me a couple of years ago when I think when, when was it AEW first started maybe, or maybe it was right after, uh, one of the things that drove me up a wall, but besides orange Cassidy was, uh, Marco stunt because I, oh, to God. me, I equate that to now, Ricky, I'm a big New Orleans Saints fan. I grew up in New Orleans, so, you know, that's my team. Um, but I made a, I made an example of it, of what I, what it reminded me of. So I used Tom Brady at the time. No, I said, you know, Marco stunt being in the ring to me would be like if the Patriots put a, you know, a 12 year old kid at left tackle and told them to protect Brady's blind side. That's kind of what it was like to me. And I look, the kid, the guy might I say kid because he's, you know, 20 years younger than me, obviously, or more. He might be a good human being, but I don't need to see a five foot nothing person in the ring with a, another full grown man. It just doesn't. There's nothing about that that was appealing. So I, I agree with you, man. There's things like that. Yeah. I, I want to. The thing about wrestling, Ricky, we know it's a work, right? We all know it's a work now. But as Doc and I and Harper and I always talk about on this show, at least make me think it's real. Like, at least make me go, damn, I wonder if they really have some animosity with each other. Because they're cutting those promos and they're getting pretty vicious with each other in the ring. Like, I want to have that doubt in my mind. Um, If you can't give me that doubt, that's where I lose it. How do you feel about that? I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I, if I go see a a, a magician, um, you know, I I don't want him to tell me how he, how he does the tricks and I don't want him to (laughs) telegraph the tricks to such a degree that I can figure it out. Right. I know that, you know, he's not actually sawing the lady in half, but I, I want to be absorbed in the performance, you know, And, and I, and, you know, when people say, oh, well, you know, we all know it's work anyway. So what does it matter? Boomer, you know, or, or, or whatever, you know, the arguments that you'll hear, you know, my response to that would be, you know, any scripted television show that you watch, you know, particularly, you know, anything that is a drama, 
you know that that movie or that TV show is a work, but you don't want to constantly be reminded of that while you're watching it, right? Like if there's a microphone that pops down into the picture, it's going to take you completely out of the scene. Or if something ridiculous happens that, you know, just isn't in place. If you're watching a dramatic scene in your favorite TV show and a clown, you know, goes by in the background on a unicycle, you know, juggling bowling pens, it's going (laughs) to, it's going to take you right out of of what you're watching. So, you know, I, I respect professional wrestling as an art form. I, you know, I think that done well, done properly, professional wrestling is truly a great art form. And I think that it should be treated with that kind of respect uh, more than it is, uh, both sometimes by the, the wrestlers themselves and, and definitely by the people that are booking it. And as far as yeah. Marco stunt goes, um, you know, hey, again, um, he may he may be a good kid, you know, but I'm a nice guy and you don't want to watch me getting booked on AEW either. You know, I mean, it's just it doesn't work. And to have Kenny Omega, you know, doing a spot where he's begging off uh, of Marco's stunt. I mean, you know, come on. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the guy at that time who was your world champion. And, you know, I don't think there's anything funny or cute about it. You know, I mean, you know, for, for everybody, even on the territory level that has carried the strap around and, you know, been the, been the guy who is, you know, um, drawing fans and, and, you know, the face of the company, um, you know, I think you're, I, I think that you are tarnishing your, your own uh, championship. And, you know, that's something that shouldn't ever happen in business where, you actually get to book these things. And, you know, it's one thing if it's the, you know, the NFL playoffs and the, and the top team gets knocked out and you end up having a couple of upstarts in the Super Bowl, And it's kind of like, Oh, you know, the ratings would have been better if, you know, Tom Brady had won uh, or whatever, you know, but you don't get to control that in, in, in those sports in, in wrestling, you know, you actually get to eliminate a lot of the bullshit if you're smart and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never understand that kind of booking. Why would you, why would you make your world champion look like a schmuck for, you know, dwarf dong sucker? Yeah. And again, that's why I made the comparison. It's like putting, you know, a 12 year old on at left tackle to protect Brady's blind side. Uh, you just wouldn't do it in, in a real sport. Um, so just making a mockery and and that's what it is. It's like, I think you nailed it. When you when you watch a serious television show, you know, you're watching something on um, you know, TV where it's a, a a crime drama and all of a sudden, you know, that's the theme of it. You know, 100% of the time and all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's just some absurd stupidity that goes on. You you you'd literally call it out. You'd say, "What the hell was that? I'm assault I'm you some people would say they're offended, some people would say this is dumb. Why would they even do that? That made no sense." Um, are they trying to insult me with stupidity? And that's kind of how I feel with some of that stuff. Um, I've come around lately to, to AEW just with, I, I'm schizophrenic with it, meaning that I, I will fast forward through many things. I'll tape it, DVR it because you don't tape things anymore, right? I did DVR it <laughs> and uh, fast forward to the things and I'll watch the promos I want to watch like, you know, MJM and MJF and CM Punk and uh, I've been Dying, falling in love lately with the Briscoes and FTR on Twitter. They they are great. I hope they 
bring that to the actual promotion. I'm sure they will, but, you know, we'll see. Haven't seen the latest episode, so as I say that, who knows what happened this week. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Ricky. You, you got to – we know it's a work, but I want to believe. And, and, you know, one thing Doc always says when we would do the show for years, he'd say, man, you know – Back in the day, I can remember my grandmother or he'd say a family member go, you watch that wrestling, you know, the, the adults. That's not fake, right? They would always say that. And Ooh. then you'd see someone come out that would make that person stop and go, wait, I, I know I know this stuff is supposed to be fake, but that guy's real. Um, that's the that's the magic there. That's what I'm talking about when I say, you know, I, I understand. I, I know it's a work, but when I look at a person and go, wait, is he really shooting? What's going on here, man? That's the that's the magic. I want you to put that doubt in my mind where I'm thinking about it like, man, that's this guy means business. So you um, you you yep. couldn't possibly be more right. You know, it's a big part of why Stone Cold Steve Austin got got over. It's a it's a big part of why you know Brock Lesnar is you know always always going to be a guy that 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 generates attention. You know and. Yep. And who, you know, and if you look at AEW and ask yourself, you know, um, you know, obviously F- FTR, I-, I love those guys. I mean, they're in the ring, uh, you know, impeccable and, and obviously love and appreciate the business. And the Briscoe brothers are great as well. I actually, I actually met one of those guys one time, you know, and, but I, but I'll say, you know, who's the guy in AEW, if you had to pick one that probably, and I'm talking about, you know, in ring talent. Who's the guy that probably understands the business the best? And, you know, I think it's CM Punk. And I don't think that it's an accident that, you know, CM Punk is the most popular guy, you know, going in that promotion. And, you know, um, I I hope that that CM Punk rubs off, um, you know, on the mentality of some other guys there. and, And I hope that he, you know, he rubs off uh on tony khan as well because you know i think if you had a guy like cm punk um you know uh pulling the levers uh for for that entire promotion i I think you'd see viewership uh start to go up which has been something of a problem you know uh, tony keeps signing you know all this talent that is becoming available but those those numbers are are holding you know pretty pretty level and at some point you know if you really see yourself as a you know, somebody who's going to step up and compete with the WWE, you know, he's, he's got to find a way to, you know, stop hovering, you know, just above and just below a million viewers a week, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's hard nowadays because there's so many different forms of entertainment. There's so many different streaming services, you know, and you you just, you know, I, I don't ever think it'll get back to the millions that watched, you know, at one time, but you're right. You want to see at least some some push upward from hovering at that same level. Uh, I mean, they look. I'll give them credit. They've they've gotten a bunch of better talent since they started. And uh, I mean, look, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. Um, I think Jay Lethal's there, but I've been you know I don't think he's been on television for a while. And I was a big fan of his and ROH. Uh, you know, if the Briscoes come in, that would be great. So I mean, they've they've gotten to me better talent than what they had just a matter of capitalizing on it and i think i think they can do more um but yeah it's it's rough i i will it's it is very hard nowadays for anyone you know with a with a program on television because there's so many different options i mean there's so many streaming services you don't 
You know, we used to be beholden. To, I mean, you know, I grew up like you. You know, we used to be beholden to what was on those channels. There was nothing else. There was no streaming platform for us to go watch anything. There, you know, many people didn't even have VCRs where they could watch, you know, you know things that they had taped. Now there's so much at your disposal with YouTube and the streaming platforms. It's, uh, it, I, I see why it can be, you know, hard to push through that number. But I agree. It'd be nice to see him do so because I don't know what WWE is doing. I haven't watched it in quite some time. Um, you know, and I've been down on AEW before. I've talked about, you know, here, Marco stunt and all that stuff. And I've just said that I couldn't do it at times. I, I, I push through. I want them to succeed. I think it's healthy for professional wrestling if there's, you know, multiple options. Uh, but it is I can see why it is hard for them to to get past that certain threshold. It's not easy for sure. Yeah, no, there's there's no question about it. It's it's going to be a challenge. But I, I do believe, you know, again, coming back to what you were saying, you know, if you get a little bit more of that, hey, wait a minute, you know, is this, you know, even if the people that are watching don't know the term, you know, if they're thinking in their mind, you know, is this a shoot? Yeah. Uh, you know, is this, is this, is this, Hey, well, Hey, wait a minute. You know, this may not be a shoot, but there's something going on here. It's, you know, that to me is the kind of thing that creates a buzz and, you know, maybe brings in some of the people that, you know, gave up on wrestling a long time ago, because, you know, you've, you've kind of established, you know, AEW has kind of established, you know, they got about a million people that are, that are going to tune in for the product that they're being given. But like you said, the talent on the roster is considerably better now than it was, uh, you know, early on in AEW and the, the, the improvement to the roster has been a lot more substantial than the, and I, and I'm sure the, uh, the amount of the payroll, you know, is probably quite a bit higher as well. And, and the viewership is, you know, holding kind of flat. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, it, it, it would probably behoove uh, Tony Khan to, you know, maybe consider, you know, approaching things in a little more of a reality based way and, 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 you know, trying to generate some heat, you know, I mean, I know real heat is, is kind of a thing of the past, but I, you know, I do believe that there's a way to, you know, kind of have, uh, a kayfabe light, uh, you know, for our era that at least brings back a little bit more of that. You know, I don't really know what to think about this, but I definitely know I want to tune in and see what happens next. You nailed it. It's hard to get, you can't get heat like you used to. And one of the things that we always talk about on this show uh, when we're reviewing old wrestling is we we said years ago when we were reviewing started reviewing our the NWA Saturday night show from the 80s the the TBS show we said as we watched those shows and you know you watch those shows and there's all these enhancement talent matches i mean it's not like we were watching five star classics back in the day on <laughs> on television so we we you know it didn't we didn't realize this when we were kids but as we were older watching it we said man we don't know if we like the wrestling as much as we did the shit talking because yeah. that's what made you actually want to see the match. It wasn't, oh, this guy looks good. I can't wait to see him wrestle. What it was, was you had Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA uh, and in your case, Jerry Lawler. And you had these guys cut these promos and they would talk a lot of shit, say a lot of 
stuff that's not politically correct nowadays. Um, especially Ric Flair. Some of the stuff he would talk about bringing the women back to the Marriott and you know <laughs> plowing through a few was just yeah you couldn't do that now. But you know they they would say and do things that was like maximum shit talking, and they would insult their opponent. Um, and any if you were the horseman, you jumped your opponent. And you did things that got the baby faces. You know they the fans wanted the baby faces to kick your ass now, and um. It, so it was the shit talking that actually did it. And nowadays, to me, if you watch wrestling, now, now I'm not saying they don't do this. There, is, there are a lot of promos, but there's a lot more wrestling on the shows generally uh, than there is promos. And again, I'm not advocating for an hour worth of promos on a show. That's not my point. My point is, you know, if you go watch the old shows, there was a lot of shit talk from damn near everybody on the roster. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, and- Work and work rate, in my opinion, is overrated. You know, I mean, I think I think there's I think there's too many guys who are you know they they've got to get their shit in right. Yeah. And you know, um, I, I don't I don't dislike the young bucks. You know, as as much as corny, but you know, the young bucks. You know, so just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. And, you know, it seems like every match, you know, they're, they're, they're chasing, uh, they're chasing that five-star rating, you know, and, and I, I think that, you know, it's, it's too much sometimes, you know, it becomes like, it becomes like dancing with the stars, uh, you know, more than a wrestling match. And, you know, I, I think again, you know, it's, you know, guys are a little too clever for their own good. Sometimes, you know, it's like they, they have the ego thing of trying to top one another and see who, you know, Dave Meltzer is, is going to give more stars, you know, in the next observer, you know, more so than realizing that, you know, you, you, you don't have to go out there and, you know, just perform one high spot after another. Uh, and, and sometimes it, it, in many cases, it's a, it's a lot better off if you don't, and it means more you know, when you want to go to that next gear in in a big moment, you know, fans are just overwhelmed. You know, when everything, when every scene in the movie is an explosion and a car crash, they, they eventually, none of them matter anymore. You nailed it. I mean, I can't say it any better than that. If you see it, if, if every single thing is a, and and not the car crash, but a flip and dive, I mean, it flipped dive. Mm -hmm. dive. you see that a hundred times in a two-hour show, it, it's not special anymore. So I see, there, I see, yeah. one, I see one more guy jump on a group of seven dudes that have been standing there for thirty <laughs> seconds waiting for him to get get there. You know, <laughs> it, it 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 just kills me. It's like, who is entertained by that? You know, I you know, it's like there was a time there on AEW where like you know the Dark Order was you know somebody was flipping off onto six of them, you know, every, every freaking week. And it's like, at what point are these guys going to understand, you know, maybe we shouldn't stand in a circle, you know, eight feet from the turnbuckle, you know, we got some slow learners there. You know? <laughs> no, you're right. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just stand here and wait for this guy to, to jump and fall on us. I, I don't, I, that's, you're right. That drives me nuts, but you make some good points. I, I got a question for you related to your account and actually our show. So I find that you're similar to myself and the host of BTT and, and all of our listeners. We curse, we turn up our volumes between medium and maximum most of the time, but there's never any malicious intent as we discuss old school wrestling, which 
Old school wrestling, especially the promos, they were the farthest thing from politically correct. I noticed that you get some of the same feedback we get on our show. Why do you have to curse? Stop talking so <laughs> harsh, etc. Uh, talk about how that and how it relates to sports, culture, and pro wrestling during the 80s. Because I have seen, I don't think you go off on people, but I've seen you on Twitter say, <laughs> I'm going to damn well please say what the hell I want. Because it's funny how people... They, 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 they tell you to turn it down. They don't want you to curse. And I'm like, he's not doing anything malicious. He's just using a few curse words. Chill out, people. And it, it resonates with me because I get the same thing, feedback from people about this show. Well, see, that's, that's a little bit of a touchy subject for me because I, I realize that that's one of the things that I'm known for is, is the cussing. But at the same time, I really think it's kind of overblown. You know, I mean, I do, and I get emails, I get comments on Twitter, some of which, you know, some of which I cut a little promo on, as you, yes. as you said, uh, you know, but I'll get emails too. And some of them are quite sincere, uh, you know, where somebody's just, geez, you know, could you, could you cut down on the cursing? And it, but it always strikes me as an odd thing to do to tell somebody else how to conduct their business. Now I say that as somebody that's been telling Tony Khan how to conduct his business for the last 30 minutes. So <laughs> that probably makes me a hypocrite, but, but we're on here to talk wrestling, right? I mean, it's yeah. one of those things where follow me or don't follow me. You're certainly entitled to your opinion. I mean, you know, I, if somebody says you, you cuss too much, I mean, that's fine, but you know, they should also be prepared. You know, if I, if I have a counter opinion, right. I, and I usually, I usually will only you know, comment in the way that you have said, if somebody is going out of their way to be rude to me, yeah. you know, if somebody just says, gosh, could you cut down on the cussing? You know, I'm, I'm not really going to say anything to that. And in fact, there have been a couple of times that people were so sincere and genuine that I actually sent them an email back and just said, Hey, you know, I appreciate you being a fan of the content, but you know, this is who I am. And I, I tweet what I think is funny. And in the way that I like to speak and if that's not for you, then, you know, I, I respect that, you know, but that's a choice that they have to make about, you know, whether or not they're going to consume the, the tweets or not. It, it, as far as, you know, the, the cussing itself, you know, I've actually gone back. People talk about it so much sometimes that I have gone through my tweets and, you know, tried to figure out, you know, what my ratio of cussing is. <laughs> and <laughs> as, as near as I can figure I only cuss in about three out of every 10 tweets, you know? So, you know, you, you would, to hear some people tell it, you'd think that every tweet was just, you know, fuck, fuck, fuckity fuck. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I talk on Twitter the same way that, you know, I would talk to you if, if you and I were just having a conversation about sports or wrestling or whatever, and, you know, we were, we weren't recording it, you know, we were just, talking as as buddies and i think that the way that i talk uh you know probably is kind of a familiar voice in some ways to a lot of us who talk to our friends that way and i kind of made the decision going into this and, I'm, and maybe i had the advantage of not really looking at myself as a personality or you know not really looking at myself as somebody who was kind of getting into the entertainment industry in a sense i just saw myself as a guy who was tweeting stuff and I decided early on that I was just going to use 
the same voice that I would use if I was talking to my best friends. And I've, I've made a lot of friends that way. And I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, the way that I talk and, you know, the cussing and whatever is, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of what they do with their buddies as well. So it kind of, it kind of makes me um, familiar in a sense. And, and, and that's what I want. You know, I want people to feel connected uh, with, with what I'm tweeting and I, I want it to feel personal. And if it sounds like I'm tweeting to you, like I consider you a good friend, then good, because I do consider my followers to, to be my friends. I think, you know, Ricky, we grew up in an era that was different, that is much different than this era today. We grew up in an era where you know, we had shows and I would actually love to have discussions with you about this. I have a minor in sociology, so I'd love to have. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Like, you know, we grew up in an era of, you know, uh, Archie Bunker and the Jeffersons and the shows like that where and you could, I can I was watching Archie Bunker with my mother-in-law a few years ago and she the look on her face was priceless um she she looked at me and goes i used to like him i don't like him anymore <laughs> but um you know she's in her mid-60s you know so uh late 60s but um we grew up in in a different era and i, and I mentioned that because like you know my grandfather fought in world war ii and he cursed a lot around me as a kid f word mother f, everything was you motherfucker i mean non-stop that he, i like him f- already by the way yeah but he wasn't a horrible human being. He didn't want to, you know, <laughs> he wasn't trying to, you know, do harm to anyone. And, and you know, my old neighborhood to grow up in, you know, it, it, everybody. My mother had a mouth like a sailor. She didn't say the F word, but everything else was fair game. And um, we just, you and I grew up in a different era. And, you know, things were not like they are now where every word is parsed and everything you say is uh, overanalyzed. And so when I read... When I read your tweets, it actually reminds me of Book in the Territory, our show, because we we do curse and we are harsh towards certain things. But it's like all in fun. Um, I, example I'll give um, and I f- can't forget your exact caption in. I think you've tweeted out like the Sears catalog with women in lingerie uh, before. Maybe I'm thinking of maybe I'm just not remembering this right. But Harper, my one of my co-hosts. He made a joke one time. He's like, man, remember when we used to have to crank off to the Sears catalog because that's all we had? <laughs> and um, it's like stuff like that you say. And I mean, if you said that in a tweet, somebody's going to be like, what the hell's wrong with you? No, it was like, you know, you're 12 years old, you're 13. And and like that's the mindset of the 13 year old at that time because they didn't have the Internet. So they flip open to the freaking Sears catalog with the lingerie. I mean, it's. It's it's not malicious. It's just ha ha, you know. Remember those days, type thing. Um, in you might throw the struggle was real. Is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, the struggle was real. You did you didn't. As Harper says, you know, you couldn't just go to Instagram and just uh, look up your your you know your flavor of the day. It just didn't work that way back then. So, um, you know, it's those type of things I think about when I think about your Twitter and how you speak on there when you're talking about whether it's it's you do it with everything sports culture um wrestling it's all of those things so um i appreciate it and i just i can relate to you in a way because i do get messages of 
you know, now you guys would have a better program if you just toned it down a little. I'm like, well, I mean, you do realize in the 80s and even early 90s, uh, pro wrestling wasn't toned down. They did some really crazy stuff and said crazy things. That's just well, how it was, and we're reliving that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I and the people that say that to you, you know, I wonder how many people are listening to their podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't ever want to be the person you know who plays like the the big shot card or whatever, but you know, you obviously have something. Uh, successful going, you know, and it, 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 you're successful for a reason. You, you're, you're obviously producing content that, uh, you know, you, you, you have a loyal base of listeners that, that want to consume that. So, you know, you're doing something right. And, you know, for somebody else who's not involved in all the hard work and hours that you and your, your partners have put into what you do for them to come along and say, Hey, you should do it this way. You know, it's it's kind of insulting. You know, p- people may not intend it that way, but uh, you know, it's a bit insulting for someone who isn't really privy to what you're doing, especially in a successful venture, uh, to say, "Hey, you know, I've got a better idea of how you should do uh, things than you do." You know, that's that's a very condescending position to take. Yeah, I just I just find it um, I find it funny the that there's certain words that just oh, it gets under people's skin. I'm like. You know, it is what it is. I appreciate feedback, but um, I can relate to you. I've seen I've seen your response to some tweets, and I I know what you mean. You like you said, it's it's ones that are like, you know, nasty flavored that come at you. You know, like you said, you've you've responded to people saying, hey, you know, I mean, if it's not for you, it's not for you, and I agree. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But I've seen the people that I guess come at you kind of nasty, and you're like, I'm damn well gonna do what I damn well please. Uh, it's funny. I, I laugh. I think. Again, I love the account, so that's that. But it, it is good stuff, but I can definitely relate to you uh, when it comes to that. Um, I was going to ask you something else, and now it just slipped my mind, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what happens when you – that's the downside of getting to be the age that we are, you know. Oh, man. Tell me about it. The, the, the things slip your mind in, in a heartbeat. Um I'm trying to think, man. I, let me ask this: Did you have any questions for me? I don't, not maybe not that I'm Mister Big or anything, but I figured I'd throw it at you because I'm trying to think of what I had to ask. Well, you know, I mean, I I think that uh, I would probably be interested, uh, you know, in terms of how did how did you get started with with booking the territory? I mean, wh- where did that come for you? So as um as a couple of old school wrestling fans, uh, it started with myself and Doc Turner, uh, my my co-host for the first ooh, six months. It was just he and I, I believe. Uh, you know, he was a world class fan with the Von Erichs and you know Chris Adams, Iceman King Parsons in Dallas, Texas, and he spent you know time at the Sportatorium. So he was a wrestling fan. He and I, as fate had it. Uh, we, I had started a, a job in the, um, early 2010 period, not 2010, but a couple of years after that. And, uh, one day he and I got to talking, uh, at work and, you know, he made a comment about wrestling or he said something, I can't remember what it was. And, um, you know, it's kind of weird when somebody tells you they're a wrestling fan and then you're, they're your age. So you kind of, you know, they're not a 20 year old, you go, Oh, you're a wrestling fan. How, huh? uh, you know, really? Uh, what do you watch? Uh, what did you watch back in the day? And and then that kind of leads to another question and another question. So we uh, 
honestly, over the years uh, at lunch or just different times, downtime, we would have numerous conversations that probably would have been great podcast episodes, but we were, you know, it, we, we weren't recording. We were just having just discussions about this angle and that angle. And so that kind of uh, got the ball rolling. And then one day uh, I have a friend of mine who does a New Orleans Saints podcast and he's been doing it for over a decade. Uh, I was talking to him once and I just started thinking, I was like, Hey man, how hard is it to do a podcast? I'm, I was, you know, I'm not the, I'm not a old person, but I'm not the most tech savvy, but I, I mean, I know how to get things up on YouTube and I, and whatnot. But so he was like, Oh, it's not hard. You just got to do this, this, and this. So I kind of researched it for a bit. And then I just kind of went to doc and said, Hey, you want to do a wrestling podcast? I know there, you know, at the time we thought there was a million, there's really a million now. And he said, sure. Uh, so we first started talking about the current product, you know, WWE, a little bit of impact, uh, which was still TNA, but it uh, had the, the show impact on, wow, what was it on destination America at the time, uh, a little bit of ROH talk, but it was mainly current product centric. And then things evolved and we just were really down on it because, you know, we grew up in an era where it just was it was better. <laughs> you know, we were always nostalgic, right? So then we started talking classic wrestling, and that's kind of where it took off uh, because downloads weren't good until the transition was made to classic wrestling. And and that's when we were we started doing the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Recaps, which is Cornette's promotion. And that's when Corny, um, I met him and then he asked me on his show to talk about SMW. And that's kind of how the ball got rolling. And from there, for a couple of years, it was just, well, we did the one free show a week. And then we added and we did two free shows a week. And then we started our Patreon, which has uh, become very successful. And from there, that's how it's uh, the ball's gotten rolling. But uh, it's been a, you know, for anybody who has done a podcast that listens to this, I, I tell people all the time, because I have people reach out to me, you know, that are just starting or, you know, six months in. And, you know, hey, how do I get an audience? And, you know, they want this and they want they want it quick. We'll be seven years old at the end of May this year. And it's still a work in progress. It takes a lot of time and commitment. Um, It's a lot of work. I mean, it's 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 an it's a part time job. The amount of hours that I put into it personally, because I'm the one who does all the editing and uploading. My co-hosts have it easy. All they got to do is watch old wrestling and come to me and talk about it. But then I I got to talk about it and then I got to you know produce it and get it up on all the platforms and all that good stuff. So it, it can be a lot of work, but that that's a, a brief summary. I know I went long of the origin of how it all got started. It just happened to be two wrestling fans from the eighties, early eighties that by fate started working together and discovered, Hey, you watched it and I watched it. And then like a couple years after that, the podcast was born and the rest is history. I got to thank Jim Cornette though. Cause I feel like if he doesn't have me on his show, uh, I don't know if we ever have an audience because we're just a bunch of idiots talking into a microphone. <laughs> so uh, I'm thankful to Jim because he kind of gave me he gave me uh, he gave me a, a, a sliver of credibility, if if that's possible. Well, I you know, I think that's a beautiful story, man. I I, I think that um, guys like yourself and and Corny and, and some of the other Brian last, you know, so, so, uh, some of the. Uh, other podcasts that are out there, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's telling the story of, you know, this incredible era of wrestling that we enjoyed and, and, 
you know, not only through, uh, you know, what you do to, to guys like myself get to relive it, but, uh, you know, the younger generation gets introduced to it. And I'm sure that you guys have sent a lot of younger people on some YouTube uh, deep dives, uh, you know, watching, watching the good shit. So you're, you're doing the Lord's work. Yeah, we, we, we got a lot of feedback during the, during our Smoky Mountain run when we, when we did every episode, all 200 episodes of uh, Cornette Smoky Mountain Wrestling. From what I was told, like there were a lot of people who found us through that because Corny promoted it. He talked about it a lot on his show and, and a lot of young people, as I say that. So people who, and Smoky Mountain Wrestling was, you know, early to mid nineties. So it wasn't like it was, um, you know, it wasn't like the eighties or anything or the late seventies, but it was, it was an old school promotion during that time period. Uh, so we've, we've got a lot of younger listeners who, you know, they're, you know, in their late twenties, um, even early thirties. Uh, it's hard. I, I can't believe I think of early thirties as young now, but I mean, it is, <laughs> you get to a point where it's like, well, that's still young. Cause I mean, if you would give me a chance to go back to 30, I'd be like, yeah, let me go back to that era. It was great. Uh, but so you're right. I think a lot of younger listeners have got onto it and they'll go back and watch the old stuff and watch the promos and watch the storytelling. So, uh, it's a lot of fun, man. I, I love talking about old school wrestling. Um, I can talk a little current wrestling, but I don't, I can't talk enough of it because I don't watch it, uh, religiously like, like many people do, but yeah, I could talk about the old angles all day. And matter of fact, I, I, I do have to ask you, you know, as a Memphis guy, a Lawler guy, what, what was your fame? Like, what's your favorite angle? If, if you do have one, or maybe you've got more than one, you know, favorite angle, maybe two or three that you're like, yeah, that's what set the hook for me. And I was, I was hook, line and sinker. I was a fish. Man, the num number one has got to be Andy Kaufman um, and, and Lawler. Um, you know, I, I, you know, being that age and again, you know, uh, being in a being in a position where uh, the line between uh, the, the reality and, 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 and working, you know, was pretty easy to blur for me as a you know, little rube of a kid uh, growing <laughs> up in Kentucky and, uh, you know, <laughs> Andy Kaufman and, you know, the, the whole pile driver neck brace going on uh, late night with David Letterman and, uh, you know, uh, the King slapping him and, 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 and Kaufman, uh, you know, th throwing the throwing the coffee in his face, uh, you know, it, it, that for me was you know, sort of the pinnacle of like, oh my God, you know, cause I, I remember seeing the article in the, in the newspaper of, of, you know, where it had happened. And, you know, it was actually being reported in the, in, in the local paper, you know, as though, you know, Jerry, Jerry Lawler, you know, uh, put, you put this guy in traction and you're thinking, oh my God, you know, is, is Jerry Lawler going to go to jail? You know, what's, what's happening here? So, um, you know, I, I don't know, how long Andy Kaufman would have, uh, you know, done pro wrestling or how many stints he would have had. I'm, I'm sh almost certain that he would have done more, you know, if he hadn't been taken, uh, so, you know, tragically young, but, uh, you know, he was brilliant. I mean, you, you want to talk about getting heat. I mean, my goodness, man. And, and Andy Kaufman was, was pushing the people's buttons like, like, like few other and, you know, I also remember, uh, I want to say that it was a very young Rick Rude uh, went out into the parking lot with a, I feel like it was a 
it was either a it may have been a baseball bat. Uh, I was going to say a baseball bat or a sledgehammer or whatever, and, you know, went to town on, you know, quote unquote, Jerry Lawler's car. I remember that was one that, you know, kind of made my eyes pop out of my head. You know, we went out of the studio, you know, which was which was a pretty rare thing in those days. You know, you know, the camera going out in the parking lot and Rick Rude's out there, you know, and he's wailed on Jerry Lawler's car and whatever, you know, and that that felt like a felt like a pretty big deal. You know, another thing, you know, which, which kind of brings me back to another thing that I think is wrong with, with wrestling these days. And, 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 you know, it's just, there's just way too many uh, attacks between matches. You know, (laughs) you have, you have, you know, what, uh, you know, what corny calls the afterbirth, right. You know, and (laughs) you have, you have these attacks and, you know, it's so it's so funny because, you know, the, the announcers, you know, there's not even an opportunity for the announcers to sell it because, you know, uh, Anthony Agogo comes out and, you know, kicks the shit out of Cody and tosses the Union Jack over him and we just throw it backstage, you know, <laughs> or, we, or we go to commercial or whatever, you know, like these these ass kickings out of the blue have become so routine that you know they lose their impact we're just we're just moving on to the next segment because you know we just expect guys to get the shit beat out of them uh yeah you know on, on the show you know it, it and again it the psychology of it you know it 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 does not have the impact you know when that when that sort of thing would happen once in a in a while then it was the kind of thing that got people talking and and you know possibly if you were lucky move the needle and um you know i think i think it was uh you know a big deal for me anytime that you know somebody somebody would get attacked during an interview on memphis and you'd have lance russell you know just totally put out with it you know can say oh can we get eddie marlin out here somebody get eddie marlin you know and uh you know poor lance is you know, oh yeah, you're a real big man. You're a real big man when it's three on one, you know, and, and Lance would sell it so well. And, you know, that was the kind of thing that got people to, 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 to come out, uh, you know, and, and, and see that big show in Memphis every week. You know, it was, it was, um, I, you know, again, I, I think that the, the booking was done with a greater sophistication, uh, you know, back in those days. Well, you said it, it when it when it happens all the time, it's no longer special. It's kind of like the thing with when you've seen, you know, 20 million dives and 20 million flips on a wrestling program. It it just it doesn't have the same. You know, I see one seen... more Tope Suicida. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I never I never want to see another fucking Tope Suicida, <laughs> you know, see? or at least at least not for six months. There's nothing wrong with a Tope Suicida. But, you know, other than Excalibur creams his pants every time he sees one, you know, but it's it's all the time. You know, I I don't care what it is. You know, I don't want to look at porn 23 and a half hours a day. You know, I mean, every you can have too much of of anything, you know, whatever you're you know, give me give me all the pizza, but don't give me all the pizza because. You know, I'm I'm gonna feel like shit after I after I've ate two of you know what uh, two whole ones. So yeah. you know, sometimes sometimes what we leave to the uh, imagination is important. You know, it's like it's like the old quote from John Wooden. You know, don't don't mistake activity for achievement. And pro wrestling today is hella active, 
And sometimes I think it, it, it forgets, you know, what the actual underlying point should be. I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. And that's all, that's been the gripe of mine for years with, uh, with the current product. And I'm not knocking anybody who watches it. I, I try, like I said, I've been trying lately with AEW. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's different. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I said once on one of our shows a while back, you can't pro wrestling nowadays. Like when you look at it, it's just a, it's just different. You know, I, I talked earlier about how things evolve and like, you know, just look at football, the way they throw flags nowadays on what's called unnecessary roughness or, you know, a 15 yard penalty versus what they would have never thrown that flag on. You'd have literally had to almost shoot someone on the field to get uh, the 15 yard penalty. Uh, whereas nowadays they throw it all the time. It, it's just, it's different. Um, it doesn't, I, and I, I gotta respect people's opinions that people who watch it, look, if, if, that works for you and you like it, great, man. Whatever makes you happy, uh, as long as you're not harming anyone in the process, I hope you enjoy it. I mean, and, and we've got listeners of ours. I know a bunch of them in the Facebook group that um, watch the current stuff. Uh, there's one guy, his, his last name's Javorski, and and um, the joke on the show all the time is he'll crank off to anything. And what that means is he, he literally watches AEW, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, uh, impact he does not miss wrestling any night of the week he's all that's all he watches and um he's a good sport about it but um it's just a different the the, the sport sports entertainment whatever you want to call it pro wrestling just different nowadays it's not the same but if that's what you like and enjoy it um then by all means knock yourself out and watch it um but also you know, we know our era was better, but every generation, I guess, is that. So, <laughs> hey, listen, somebody's. You know, my, my my fear is is that thirty years from now, you know, some old guy is going to be on, uh, you know, the the future podcast or 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 whatever we have then. You know, talking about <laughs> how these guys these guys today, man, they they can't hold a candle to Orange Cassidy. You know, right. that's probably that's probably where we're headed. So. I probably shouldn't be bitching because, you know, the trajectory, the trajectory ain't great. So, you know, maybe, maybe I should enjoy uh, what I'm getting a little bit more than I do, but, you know, I, I still, I still enjoy tuning in to, to AEW, uh, you know, sometimes. And, you know, I mean, if, if for no other reason, I love Jim Ross and, and, and t- you know, Tony Schiavone and, you know, they, they sound like wrestling should sound and, <laughs> you know, um, that at least that part of it is comforting, you know. I mean, JR is one of my favorite parts of the broadcast for sure. Yeah, and I wanted to circle back because I missed something too. You were, you know, I, the Kaufman Lawler angle is tremendous stuff. Like watching, I've watched it back. I didn't see it when it happened, obviously, but I've watched most of it back on YouTube and all of the clips. And man, they made that. That was tremendous. I mean, it was. You, you thought it was real. I mean, there was no doubt in your mind. Even if you watch it today and you know the story, um, and I've heard Lawler talk about that, you know, I think it was on Steve Austin's show years ago, like just kind of open up about the whole thing, how it, every little nook and cranny behind what went down. It's, uh, and you watch it, even though you know it's a work, you see it now, you're like, oh my God, that was phenomenal what they did and Andy Kaufman was something else the way he put that stuff over. Uh, you can't, you can't say enough great things about 
that Lawler Kaufman stuff. Uh, it was on YouTube most of it at one point. I don't know if it still is, but it is tremendous. It's always a good revisit to go back and look at because they did it so well. And then you said Lance Russell. He's tremendous. Whenever he would get disgusted, oh come on, guys, you know he he, he would put Jim, it get over. Out, Jimmy, get out of here! You know he was always so put out with Jimmy Hart. You know, yeah. I'm Jimmy. Come you on know, now. When he got on Twitter uh, years ago, before he passed, he followed me, and I. I, <laughs> I that, that's now. Yeah, I'm I, I'm geeking out just hearing about it. I can imagine yeah. how you felt. Yeah, he followed me uh, in. And I, I just remember, wow, Lance Russell. And I had to click to see, oh, is it really him? And from what I know, it, it uh, from what I understand, it was really his Twitter. And I, uh, I tweeted him. I tweeted him and said, oh my God, you know, I can't remember my exact words, uh, Mr. Russell. Thank you so much for the follow. I mean, I'm, I'm honored. You know, you. Uh, I didn't grow up watching you in Mid South, but I'm just thinking to myself. You know, he's the voice of Memphis. And then, you know, he he did some stuff for Corny and Smoky Mountain, but he also was in WCW after the after uh, Turner took over. So, you know, he had a, he had a stint there as well. But he's Lance Russell. I mean, he's a, just a tremendous one of the best, if not the best that what he did. And he, he gave me a follow and I was like, oh, my God, Mr. Russell, you're the greatest, you know. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I nerded out for that. That was that was pretty cool. That's that's about as good as it gets. I mean, uh, Lance was he was as good as anybody, you know. And 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 Dave Brown, I I just love both of them. You know, Dave Brown was always obsessed with the length of every match. You know, Dave had Dave was the guy who had to tell you that, you know, Bill Dundee beat Billy Joe Travis in four minutes and thirty two seconds. You know, it was always it was always very important. You know, like you know, for those of us that are scoring at home. You know, although, you know, corny, corny might have been, you know, writing that stuff down. But, uh, you know, I, I always loved that. It was a small little touch, but, you know, it just it just added to the fact of making you feel like you had watched a real contest. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's the little things, you know, that that go a long way. And again, you know, if you watch, you, you know, the old stuff going back to what I was saying earlier, um, you know, there's, you know, like, for instance, Talking about AEW, one of the things that is really getting on my nerves is the way that Will Hobbs is is being used. You know, to to me, uh, uh, Will Hobbs could be a superstar um, in, in this industry. His size is great. I think his to be as young as he is, I think his work is, is really good. You know, his his facial expressions are are terrific. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that could be a star, and you know, to have him on TV losing to to, to Orange Cassidy, you know, uh, you know, come on. I, and, and, and I know that Orange Cassidy is popular and all of that, but I mean, look, if you're going to, if you're going to stand Will Hobbs up next to Orange Cassidy and tell me that that little pipsqueak could beat this man in anything <laughs> that is presuming itself to be a real competition. Um, you know, it, you've taken me, you know, the, the, the clown has just gone by on the unicycle juggling bowling pins you know uh you lose me at that point and you know i i wish that there was a way that i could get in tony khan's ear and <laughs> uh impart a little bit of advice not to sound uh you know cocky about it but i mean man will hobbs is something that you should not be able to mess up and uh, you know hopefully in the long run that won't happen but it's a little frustrating sometimes when you when you see talent like that that is uh 
you know, Hobbs is, he, he reminds me of an eighties, nineties era big man. And, you know, uh, as you know, you know, the wrestlers generally speaking are smaller today uh, in a lot of cases than they were when we were kids. You know, you got some slight guys out there and, yeah. you know, to have to have a legitimate big monster uh, with all the potential in the world. You know, I'd I'd like to see uh, him utilize better. But, uh, you know, we we do see an emphasis on the high flying and, you know. The, the people that, again, are, you know, you, you know, the Lucha Brothers against the Young Bucks, you're going to see some spectacular things. I mean, Ray Phoenix, I mean, at least if you're going to be a flyer, you know, it, Ray Phoenix may paralyze himself, but, you know, he's, he does spectacular things. But, you know, you see some of the spots that he does with Nick Jackson and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's just like, what are, what are we really what are we really doing here? Are, are we just doing things because we can and we want to show off? And, and, you know, I think that's what it is a lot of the time. I agree with you on uh, Hobbs. I think he's, um, you know, I don't, I don't think he's like main event material right now, but he's a guy that you look at and you're like, that guy, there's something there. And you, you feel like it could, he could be, something big one day now obviously you know things have to fall in place but there is something there and i've liked him for a while there's something there though don't embarrass him on tv don't embarrass him on national tv at a minimum you know i i agree with you he's he's not there yet but you got something yeah you got one 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 way you can help yourself is not having him you know lose to a guy who weighs 150 pounds and runs around with his hands <laughs> in his pockets you know, it right. seems like it seems like a simple thing but maybe it's yeah. not no you're right that's that's the thing it's like wow well, you know you got somebody like this and you're gonna tear him down by having him lose to uh you know 150 pound person i could not agree with you more you're spot on with it ricky spot on with it uh ricky before as we wind things down before we get out of here i want to give you an opportunity to you know, I've mentioned the Twitter at Super 70 Sports. I know you've also got like a, uh, I guess, a, a link where you sell shirts and whatnot. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to plug anything you'd like to plug uh, while we're still here. All right. Well, one of my favorite portions of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, I would encourage people to uh, check out Super 70 Sports store uh, dot com. I mean, if you don't follow the Twitter account. Uh, you know, I, I got to say, Mike's done a pretty good job of making it sound good. So hopefully, hopefully you're curious enough to give me a follow. But but also check out Super70SportsStore.com. We've got a lot of retro throwback uh, T-shirts, you know, based on sports, based on pop culture, based on TV and movies and things like that. And we've also got we also got some wrestling uh, shirts in there, you know, you're going to, you're going to find stuff like the Greg Valentine, I broke Wahoo's leg shirt and, uh, you know, Piper pays back and, uh, you know, dusty sucks eggs and, you know, some of these great shirts that, that guys, uh, you know, wore back in the, wore back in the eighties, you know, that looked like they had just gone down to the local screen printer, you know, and had it made. I got, I got to give MJF credit, you know, when he beat Cody, and he, he went on TV wearing the I pinned Cody shirt. 
uh, you know, I had to applaud him because it was really a throwback to the days when, you know, guys would come out, you know, Ole Anderson comes out wearing the damn I'm good shirt, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. So, it, you know, if, if you like that kind of old school uh, wrestling attitude, you know, you, you just might find a shirt in the store that uh, that you're going to want to wear. Yeah, it's good. I've been on your store. You I mean, it there's a ton. It's not like one or two. I mean, you've got tons of shirts, so. Lots of stuff to choose from. I mean, whether you're a wrestling fan, sports fan, or whatever, you've got a ton of things. And I, I, I would advise anyone go check it out. Just go see what he's got up there because it's just tremendous. And it's super seventy sportsstore dot com, right, Ricky? Yeah, that's right. And I and I always tell people, hey, you know, like I can, you know, you may not want to buy anything, but I, I definitely, if if you take a good look through the store, I might not be able to get your money, but I definitely will tempt you. At a minimum, because uh, I'm pretty proud of it. You know, like you say, we've probably got somewhere in the range of about 800 uh, different shirts in the store now. So there, there really is something in there for everybody, and it's and it's stuff for the most part that you that it's hard to find uh, other places. You know, some of the, some of the shirts that I I always would have liked to have worn, but you know, I, I couldn't find it. Uh, you know, being in this position of having my own business, I've been able to. I've been able to actually make some shirts, you know, that, that I'd like to wear. And I think that, uh, you know, your, your listeners, you know, probably will find some that they like too. I agree. Uh, if, when you go to the store, you'll, you'll find it. You, you, um, you won't spend hours. I'm exaggerating, but you will spend quite some time flipping through all of the different shirts and memorabilia, not memorabilia, but just the shirts that, that he has on the store There's tons of stuff. Uh, literally, you know, whether it's wrestling, sports, it's really, really good stuff, and uh, I, I, again, I, I agree with you. You will be very tempted when you when you're going <laughs> through the store. When you're going through the store, uh, Ricky, did we miss anything that you wanted to discuss today? Please uh, let me know because I, I don't want to miss anything. I, I've had a great time talking to you and and whatnot, right. but yeah. I got to tell you, Mike, I, I feel like I, uh, you know, I'm I'm not Catholic, but I feel like I just went to confession. I, it, <laughs> this was cathartic. I got uh, I got all my, I got all my opinions out of out of my system here about modern wrestling and I got to talk about a lot of my old school favorites so I I have to tell you man I I, I have interviewed uh, you know hundreds of people and I've and I've been interviewed uh, dozens of times myself but I, I got to tell you this is probably one of my favorite conversations I've ever had I cannot believe as popular as your Twitter is and you've become that you that of all the tons i'm sorry millions of of wrestling <laughs> podcasts that are out there that you have it's it i mean i believe it but it's it boggles my mind that you had no one has i don't say no one's asked you but that you had not been on a uh, wrestling podcast before so i i am i'm honored and i am blessed and very happy to talk to you because and i'm glad you had a great time because uh, if you're willing to, we definitely should do it again sometime. You come back on and, and give even more opinions about whether it's AEW or old school wrestling. Uh, yeah, most definitely, because I've had a great time. But again, I, 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 I'm, I'm almost dumbfounded. Like, I can't believe he's not done a wrestling podcast before. So yeah, I'm honored. It is. Yeah, well, I, I'm honored that you asked me. And yeah, it, it really is kind of a strange thing because, you know, it, one of the questions that I do get frequently is, you know, uh, when, when, a, when a big name 
person follows you, you know, is, is that exciting? And, you know, how, how, what is it, you know, when, 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 you know, a, a big, big time celebrity follows you, what's that like, you know, kind of like we're talking about Lance Russell, right? It's a, it's, it's a, it's a thrill when somebody that you think highly of and that you're a fan of follows you. And, and I got to tell you, you know, for me, I, I really think it's pro wrestlers that, you know, I, I'm, I still mark out for, for pro wrestlers. You know, it's, it's like, I, I could be followed by, um, you know, uh, famous athletes or TV show hosts or whatever. But, you know, when, when I look and see that, you know, I, I've, I've been followed by, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett or, or, or uh, Glenn Jacobs or, uh, you know, I- I- any of those guys, you know, John Layfield, uh, you know, when, when I see those guys interacting with me and, and following me, you know, it, it, it always is just a little bit more fun because, you know, there's just something about pro wrestling for me that always has. And, and, and even today, you know, it's, it's just a breed apart, you know, for those of us that, for those of us that get it and for those of us that, that love it. Um, you know, there's, there's just something about pro wrestling that, uh, you know, p- puts it in its own category, I think, uh, away from everything else. And, and, you know, that's something that I felt when I was 10 years old and, you know, sitting here, uh, tonight, uh, chatting with you at, at 50, you know, I, I still feel that way, you know, pro, pro wrestling is, uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, truly it, it is one of the, one of the great, uh, art forms of, of modern times. And I have a tremendous amount of respect. Uh, you know, my, my criticism about booking and, and in the way a lot of modern wrestling is, I, I have tremendous respect for those guys that, and, and women, you know, who, who get in the ring and, uh, you know, give up, give up their bodies to one another and, and trust one another and, and go out there to entertain us. You know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a hell of a thing. And, and, uh, you know, I always hold those folks in, in high regard. I couldn't agree with you more. It's a wonderful sport, a wonderful business. Uh, it was, it, look, we grew up on it, right? We grew up on the absurdity of it all. It's just tremendous stuff. And, and again, I'm, I'm glad you were here to, to, to have this conversation with me. And we definitely have to do it again. So, again, I want to mention, again, uh, Ricky's uh, Twitter is at Super70Sports. If you're not following it, please go follow it. His tweets are tremendous. You are bound to see a wrestling tweet uh, come up from a a time or two along with sports and culture and whatnot. It is just tremendous. And check out his store as well, Super 70 Sports Store. Uh, And just go browse. And like he said, you will be tempted. But, uh, Ricky, hang tight. I'm going to stop this recorder. But I appreciate your time again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. 